Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, first up from the Mortgage Mag on the 11th of April, DTI restrictions to bed in next year. Second topic from Stuff on the 12th of April, the rate at which property values are falling is speeding up, suggesting further big declines are on the way. Third topic from interest.co.nz on the 12th of April, third time lucky, changes to the troubled credit rules are to be applied from next month. Fourth topic from NZ Herald on the 13th of April, after the official cash rate hike, why is New Zealand not following Australia? The front page. Fifth topic from Good Returns on the 12th of April, Kiwis willing to trade to keep the pension age down. So first up this week, the mortgage mag from the 11th of April, DTI restrictions to bed in next year. Mortgage borrowers will start to experience debt-to-income ratios, says Calvin Davidson, CoreLogic's chief economist. Although the Reserve Bank has not stated whether it will implement DTIs, it said that they will become a formal tool, along with LBRs, to restrict residential mortgage lending from March of next year. Davidson says they'll be activated next year, but not to limit lending during this housing cycle, but to prevent house prices from rising 40% in two years, as they did during the COVID pandemic. Davidson says last week's Reserve Bank release didn't say anything new. There was no mention of the limit, if it would be five, six or seven times the income, nor was there any mention of exemptions or speed limits. He said it won't be an issue for mortgage holders and new borrowers, even if they're activated in March, because risky lending has already been reined in. Davidson believes that if DTIs are implemented, they're not going to bind in this cycle. He explained that interest rates have risen, so borrowers can't service as much mortgage debt, and house prices have come down, so they don't need to borrow as much either. Davidson thinks that the DTIs will not restrict growth immediately, but potentially in the long term. The Reserve Bank has stated that it would like DTIs to limit the number of houses that investors can own. Analysis by the Property Investors Federation suggests that most of the country's landlords are mum and dad investors who own one or two properties at most. Davidson says DTIs will restrict how much investors can borrow, and the Reserve Bank New Zealand predicts this will restrict the number of properties anyone can own in relation to their income. RBNZ believes this will rule out mega landlords, even though they are fewer in number. He said it remains to be seen when the finer details of the DTIs, the borrowing level against income, is laid out by the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. He anticipates that the RBNZ will strive to keep the concept in the simplest terms, including what is defined as income and debt. Though just remember that, you know, the Reserve Bank has not implemented this. It has not being rolled out in March next year. It's just another tool that they've got in their toolkit. So there's a good chance that combined with, with loan-to-value ratios, then a medium balance could be used. We'll, we'll see what happens. And it's only going to be used if required. Second topic from stuff on the 12th of April, the rate at which property values are falling is speeding up, suggesting further big declines are on the way. According to Quotable Value, the average value of a home in Auckland and Wellington has dropped by more than 250000 since the beginning of last year, with value drops in most North Island cities reaching six figures. It may be likely that further value declines will hit the market as the rate at which house values decline continues to increase. 
According to QB's house price index, the average value of New Zealand homes was $907,737 at the end of March, which was down by 156028 from its peak at the start of last year. Over the same period, average values in Auckland have fallen by $272,969, while those in the Wellington region have fallen by 250836 The only district to see an increase during that time period was Queenstown Lakes, where the average value at the end of March was $62,406 higher than in January of last year, although values in Queenstown have also been declining since the beginning of this year. The national average property value had declined by 1.7% over the previous three months to January this year, which was down 2.7% in February and down 3.9% in March. QB reported that the residential property downturn appears to be gaining momentum once more, with home values making their largest first quarter fall in more than 15 years. QV National spokesperson Simon Peterson said in the past it was uncommon for many home value declines to take place around this time, as it used to be one of the busier periods for buying and selling properties. Peterson added that it's evident that prospective buyers are struggling with very significant credit constraints alongside an ongoing cost of living crisis. Sellers could find it difficult as well, with a large housing supply available and fewer active buyers than normal. They'll need to lower their expectations to meet the changing market. So my advice would be, if you're in a position that you can get lending, it's a really good time to be a house buyer because there's much less competition from other buyers because of this constraint around lending at the moment. So yeah, crunch your numbers, know your numbers, and make sure you're buying a property that fits your financial position. And when the market turns, you will reap the rewards. If you'd like to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free events called How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor. And these events are available either live online or in person in our office in Ellerslie at Auckland. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. And if you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, you can either attend one of our free events, because I also talk about this towards the end of the session, or you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website as well. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz. Third topic for this week in review from interest.co.nz on the 12th of April. Third time lucky, changes to the troubled credit rules are to be applied from next month. The latest attempt by the government to address the contentious new credit rules introduced in December 2021 under the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, or the Triple CFA, is set to take effect on May 4th. The original rules were aimed primarily at the more unscrupulous end of the lending market but they were also applied to major banks. The rules required banks to collect more information from those seeking loans than had previously been the case. Banks and their officers faced penalties if this information was not gathered. The reaction to the December 2021 implementation was a halt in bank lending as the banks struggled to deal with the complexities. Some fixes were implemented in July 2022, 
the New Zealand Banking Association, the banking industry's representative body, stated at the time that it didn't believe that the July 2022 changes would make a significant difference for most borrowers because most of the existing requirements from the December 2021 change remained in place. Customers will still need to provide detailed information about their spending, resulting in a more tedious process and more loan applications being declined than before the December rule change, according to the report. Just before the long Easter weekend, Duncan Webb, the new Commerce and Consumer Affairs Minister, announced that the latest round of rule changes will go into effect in May. These are the changes. Explicitly excluding discretionary expenses from affordability testing. Providing more flexibility for lenders regarding how certain repayments are calculated. Extending exceptions from full income and expense assessments for refinancing of existing credit contracts. Webb says that the government is confident that it has struck the balance between providing safe access to credit and maintaining a strong level of consumer protection. However, in response to the government's latest repair effort, NZBA CEO Roger Beaumont stated that the changes to the triple CFA regulations still mean that affordability assessments are required for all types of lending and borrowers. This also hampers banks' discretion in helping customers in cases of natural disasters like the recent Cyclone Gabriel, or changes in personal circumstances. And so it's still not easy to get lending, but hopefully it'll become a bit more common sense involved in the process again. Fourth topic for this week in review from the New Zealand Herald on the 13th of April. After the official cash rate hike, why is New Zealand not following Australia? The front page. The Reserve Bank raised the OCR by 50 basis points to 5.25% last week, which surprised economists and politicians who expected a smaller increase. However, according to New Zealand Herald business editor-at-large, Liam Dan, this shouldn't have come as a surprise. Dan said that the Reserve Bank is still on track to take the official cash rate up to as far as 5.5%. He added that what had happened in the interim was the international money markets have moved down slightly, so economists and the commentators and the journalists all softened their position. But it was never the Reserve Bank that said that. Dan said the issue came after Australia paused the OCR in the same week that New Zealand OCR went up. However, the situations in our two countries are quite different. Australia didn't have the same labour shortage in New Zealand when the borders closed and the immigration levels came back quicker. Dan said the inflation rate in Australia was coming off more clearly, so they have the opportunity to pause hiking the OCR. However, they may need to raise it again, depending on what happens in the next few months. Australia also receives inflation figures every month, whereas New Zealand only receives them every quarter. He claims that this means we'll have to wait for big reveals, which may be out of date by the time they arrive. As to how long inflation pain will last depends on if the Reserve Bank strategy works. According to him, if it works, some economists may see the OCR being cut again by the end of the year. The other expectation is that it may come down throughout 2024. He believes that 18-month or two-year fixed-rate mortgage terms will have peaked by then, but it will be difficult for those with mortgages, particularly younger people with newer mortgages. And the fact that we've got 60% of all mortgages coming off fixed-rate loans this year um, there's potentially some significant financial pain for people to come in the next few months. 
So if you are in that situation, have a talk to your mortgage advisor as soon as possible because there might be something that they can do to help. Banks are competing with each other for your business. So, you know, it could be worth your while to look at options of refinancing to another lender and get cashback deals, for example, that can help bring your mortgage down. Lock in interest rates before they go up any further, if they do go up further. You know, lots of different options to discuss with your mortgage advisor. And they work for you, not the bank. So, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to work with them. So really worthwhile getting a professional who can help you through that process. The mortgage advisors that we recommend work for a company called MyTeam, which is M-I-Team. You can get in touch with them via the website, miteam.co.nz or email office at miteam.co.nz and they'll be happy to help. And full disclosure, all of myself are part owners of that business now. We've been recommending them to our clients for over a decade. But about four years ago, we had the opportunity to buy into that business. So we did. So just to let you know. All right. Fifth topic for this week in review. Good returns from the 12th of April. Kiwis are willing to trade to keep the pension age down. A study conducted by the Retirement Commission reveals that most Kiwis oppose raising the retirement age and means testing superannuation, but are willing to increase taxes in the present rather than burden future generations. Otago University surveyed nearly 1,300 New Zealanders from all demographics to examine their preferences for aspects of retirement policy, such as the New Zealand super amount, age of eligibility, means testing, willingness to increase current taxes to support the pension, and willingness to increase taxes on future generations to pay for the pension. In addition, the survey assessed two other aspects, namely desirability of accumulated savings and the importance of savings flexibility. A similar study was conducted in 2014. Almost a quarter of people ranked keeping the age of eligibility at 65 as the most important aspect of New Zealand super, compared to almost a fifth of people in 2014. The number of people who ranked the age of eligibility as the least important has fallen by 4%. Raising the eligibility age to 67 was ranked as the worst policy of the seven options by 61% of respondents, making it the lowest ranking option. And my personal opinion is that it would be unfair on the, on the sector of our population which has a, a shorter lifespan historically, which is the Māori and Polynesian people in our country. So it would put them at a significant disadvantage. The policy's unpopularity has grown since 2014. Respondents also strongly preferred universal pensions over means-tested pensions and opposed policies that would result in steep tax increases on future generations. Dr Andrew Coleman, the study's lead author, says that the findings suggest that New Zealand's preferences for the structure of the government's retirement income programmes haven't changed significantly between 2014 and 2022. The findings revealed a stronger opposition to current tax increases than in 2014. Despite this decrease in support, a majority of respondents would support higher current taxes to reduce the size of future tax increases if plausible investment returns were available. The 2022 survey also revealed that more people are feeling less confident that they will have a comfortable retirement compared to the 2014 findings. 
Retirement Commissioner Jane Wrightson says that the recent results back up a key recommendation made in the 2022 review of retirement income policies to keep the New Zealand super eligibility at 65. She added that in order to create good retirement outcomes, New Zealand super needs to stay in its current settings and other mechanisms need to be in place to support those who have no other income besides the New Zealand super. It's a good reminder to people that if you're not already in a KiwiSaver program, get in a good one, um, get into one that's appropriate for your situation. So speak to a financial advisor who can help you through that process as well. The Apprentices Free Events catered to the changing needs of first home buyers and investors all over New Zealand. Join me for one of our upcoming events called How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023. And you'll get my tips as a financial advisor regarding strategies for successful investing. They're live training sessions, either online or in our Auckland office. And there's plenty of opportunity to ask me questions. I'm going to answer as many of them as possible. You can register on our website at propertyapprentice.co.nz. Check out the details there. And again, if you'd like to have a no-obligation chat with my husband, Paul, to see how we could help you at Property Apprentice, you can book a meeting or a phone call with him via our website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz.